Good morning, everybody. Um, isn't it great to just worship God together? What a fantastic time this morning. Um, as you know, the fourth Sunday of the month this year, we've been interviewing people because our theme for the year is God's big story. And as well as God's big story, overarching story throughout the Bible and throughout history, uh, we're looking at people's individual stories about how they've come to faith and what impact that's had on their lives. So today is Carol. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Now, I'm sure many of you uh, know Carol's face. Uh, many of you will know her by name, and uh, many of you know her a little bit. But um, many of you probably won't know Carol's full story or history. And there's, there's a lot there. We're going to try and pack this into about 15, 20 minutes. So um, let's start, Carol. Um, yes. You are a Christian. You yes. do follow Jesus. Yes. Can you tell us how you came to faith? Uh, how old were you? Um, what did, when did you first realise that you were going to follow Jesus? Okay. So um, I don't come from a Christian family. Um, I, both my grandmothers went to church, but nobody else did, so I had no church influence growing up. But I was a bell ringer, a campanologist, and um, I used to go ring the bells and then just go home. And I was about 15, 16 at the time, and his family moved into the village, and they had a son who I really liked, and he was a bell ringer. And to my absolute shock, he stayed to the service, which I thought church was for babies, old people, and Cliff Richard. So this was a real bit of a culture shock, really. But I really liked this guy. So I figured if I went to church, stayed for the service, I could share his hymn book. And who knows what Oh, the old sharing Actually, hymn book. Yeah. nothing happened. He was a bit slow off the mark. But anyway, so I start, that's why I started actually going to church, because I fancied this guy. And I was about 15, 16. I'd always worked really, really hard at school because I believed I should get good exam results so that I could... I get a good job and I wouldn't end up homeless. That's just the 11 year old's way of thinking. So I'd always worked really, really hard at school. Got to my O level year, gives you an idea of how old I might be, my O level year. And um, I suddenly thought, what's it all about? What, what's the point? What's the purpose of it all? Well, you grow up, you get a job, you get married, you have 2.6 kids, a couple of cars on the drive, and you die. That's literally how I was thinking. I just couldn't see any point to anything. So I started questioning a lot of things when I was 16. Uh, Round about the same time, this is God's, God's planning and timing, same time we had a new vicar came to the village and he started confirmation classes. And my grandmother, without telling my parents or myself, signed me up for confirmation <laughs> classes. But the amazing thing was that these confirmation classes were like an alpha course, pre-Nicky Gumbel, so I don't quite know what was going on there. But anyway, amazing, amazing course. And um, for me, it came down to, did the resurrection really happen? Did this guy really come back from the dead? Because if he did, it just changes everything. And I spent a lot of time thinking about it, talking about it. I read loads of books like Who Moved the Stone that some of you may have read. And I gradually started to realise, yeah, that actually happened. And therefore Jesus is alive. And I started to encounter him for myself. And then that just changed everything. I still worked hard at school, but it wasn't the same. It was just, just changed everything. Then a very new trendy curate with platform shoes and bell-bottom trousers <laughs> came, came to the village as well. And he knew that the Trinity was Father, Son and Spirit. And this was at the time when God was beginning to kind of stir things up in the church in this country. And we had an amazing youth group that bridged two churches. We used to go down the parish in the morning and up the free in the evening and then round the curate's house after church to 
worship together, pray together, grow together, grow in things of the Spirit together. In fact, it got to the point where my dad actually banned me from going because he didn't, he didn't know what was going on. He thought we'd been brainwashed, so he banned me from going. And um, the curate said, you got on your parents, so I stopped going. And my dad thought it wasn't making any difference. I was still all out for God, so he let me go back again. So, yeah, that's so, kind so of it. So where, where was this, Carol? Because this wasn't... Oh, in... yeah. No, this was in Hemfield. No, Hemfield between Brighton and Horsham. So that was a while ago. That was five years ago. Now you're 21 now. Yeah, um, I uh, wish. So, so um, what brought you from that point where you decided to follow Jesus and went all out for him, what brought you to Little Hampton? Because uh, I understand you've been in this area for quite some time now. Yeah, since about 1984 I've been in this area. So um, this next bit is, sounds a bit like I'm reading my CV, but just bear with me because I'm hoping it will just show God's faithfulness. So am I, I had a gap year after my O-levels. No, it's my A-level, sorry. I had a gap here because my parents had got divorced and I had three younger brothers and I didn't think it was right for me to just go off as well when my dad had just gone. So I took a gap here. I didn't know what I wanted to do, didn't know what I should be doing. And when you're that age and at that point in the church in this country, discerning God's will for your life was the thing. Like it was some incredible mystery and it was so much pressure, so much stress. What does God want me to do? What's... I don't quite think like that anymore I think it's not as complicated as that anymore but I remember having a conversation in the vicarage with, with, the, with the vicar and I, and I said I just I don't know what I should do I've taken a gap year I'm working at Sun Alliance in Horsham I don't know what I should do and he just said to me Carol have you ever thought of teaching and you know some, sometimes when God says something to you it's like a little light bulb goes ping and this light bulb went ping so I ended up doing a, a B.Ed degree in Exeter um, I, after that, four years that was, after that, um, my best friend at, in Exeter got a job at Chichester. I got a job at Shoreham, and this is halfway between. So we shared a house for a couple of years. She then left to get married, and I stayed. So that's how I ended up in Littlehampton and Rustington. Um, I became very involved with the Baptist Church. I was a youth leader with a Stuart little boy that some people might remember, um, Ashley was in my youth group at the time which makes me feel a bit old but anyway yeah, um, it was, that was an amazing time what God was doing then through the Baptist Church and, and the work of Stuart in particular reaching out to, to kids from some of the estates over in Rustington and had lot, lots of youngsters become Christians and we got to the point where when you passed the collection bag around you didn't let it go to the back where the youth workers they take it out on and put it in so that's that was sort of the youngsters that we were working with at the time but God was doing amazing things there took them to spring harvest all sorts of stuff and um, yeah then then eventually Stuart moved on and I ended up taking over the youth group and then my flat became the place to go to worship for the youth to worship pray together to learn together to grow together which was brilliant um, I set up a Christian union at the school I was working at. And what I learned from that was, uh, I mean, it sounds like a great idea. A Christian teacher in a school, of course, you're going to set up a Christian union. It's obvious. But I tried three times and nothing happened. And what I learned from that was that unless the Lord builds the house, the labourers labour in vain. And it had to be his timing. And when it was his timing, it just went whoosh. It was brilliant. 
And we used to meet together as staff to pray on a Friday after school. Awful time for staff to stay after school on Friday. I used to go into that little room and pray that no one would turn up. And people always turned up and we used to pray. And we saw things at the school just turn around. You know, I, mean, I remember going into a meeting with senior staff about something and, and it wasn't going... It was to do with this thing, worship. Everybody had to do worship. That had just been introduced into schools. And this was not going well, this meeting because the deputy head was quite anti-things of God. And I was just praying, praying. And we'd been praying on Friday evenings as well. And I don't know what happened, but everything turned around. And he ended up going God's way in it, which was just amazing. Um, where have I got to? Yeah, okay. So were you married at this point? No, not yet. <laughs> not yet, too busy. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, left, I left teaching, I then left teaching and... Um, became a schools worker for Brighton and Hove Town Mission. I'd seen an advert for it and read it through and the salary was half what I was earning. I was single, um, single, yeah, poor, well, not poor, but not a, not a lot of money, not a lot of spare cash. So I um, binned it. I literally binned this advert. And I went instead and moved schools and taught for a year. And I, but it just didn't, wasn't right. It just didn't work for me. And then somebody said to me, completely out of the blue, do you know Brighton Hope Town Mission are looking for a schools worker? I thought, actually, I do, because I binned it. So I, I went down that road, and I took a huge cut in salary and um, became a schools worker over in Brighton and Hove area, uh, set up loads of prayer groups, got parents together to pray for schools, um, one thing I really remember is we, had, we did a prayer breakfast at Baswick and we invited parents, teachers, governors, anybody involved in education in the area, had the most amazing prayer breakfast. Right, then I got married, <laughs> after all that. I got married to, to David. Um, I should say as well about Brighton Hotel Mission, one of the things I learnt there was that it's about the kingdom and that the kingdom is bigger than the church. And that's what it focuses on, the kingdom. Yeah, I got married to David. We were home group leaders for a couple of years. Then we had three children. Um, then I, during that time, I became a deacon at the Baptist Church, which was a bit like a trustee. I got involved with Searchlight. I know there were some Searchlight ladies here. We used to meet together on a Thursday morning for Bible study, prayer, and we had a creche, which was brilliant. I think for a lot of young mums at the time, that was a lifeline, having a creche, somewhere they could go and focus on God for a couple of hours on a Thursday morning. I ended up being on the leadership for that. Then I went back to youth, being a youth leader again, with the children of the youngsters I'd had the first time round, including my own children. Now, being a youth leader with your own children is, is an experience. That's where my nickname, CC, came about, because then everybody could call me that. And my kids didn't have to think, what am I going to call mum when she's my youth leader? It stands for Cool Carol. So do feel free if anybody <laughs> wants to that's start That's just what they told that. you, Carol. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, but you can call me that if you want to call me that. CC, I went back to becoming a deacon at the Baptist Church, Theo Parker. Loads of people said to me, have you thought about coming back to be a deacon now? Your children are older. But Theo Parker, when he said it to me, that light went on again. And I just knew that was God. So I went back to being a deacon. I then became an elder. That I was the first non-ordained female elder at the Clampton Baptist Church, which at the time was a non-event. But five years previous would have been a huge, huge issue. But that was just God just preparing the way and smoothing the way for me to go into that. I then became a lead elder during an interregnum, so there was no pastor, but I was the lead elder. 
um, during that time I did a couple of courses at Christ for Nations and a course at Spurgeon's because I believe that when God moves you into something, you've got responsibility to be the best you can in that situation and seek out training and learning. There was a lovely little phrase I used to use with the small group leaders at the Baptist Church, how to last as a leader, never lose the spirit of a learner. So I did a apologetics, I did a cryptominister course at Spurgeon's for two years, which covered loads of, loads of things, it's brilliant. So what I've done there is just quickly whizzed you through the good bits. <laughs> as you would the, highlights. Seen, the highlights. But I've left out all the mistakes and the wrong choices that I made and the times I decided that I knew better than God did and that he was actually wrong to make me <laughs> want me to go in a particular direction because he didn't have all the information and I did. So, so Carol, you've, from, from that brief potted history, you've uh, been part of an Anglican church and a free church and a Baptist church. Um, from being so involved in the Baptist church, what was it that finally brought you to this role and this position here? Okay, so... I really believe that, you know, that God's word says that his word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And I think that's because that's all we need. I don't think God gives us a spotlight to light up the whole scene and that he's always led me one step at a time. And maybe that's because sometimes if he showed me the end at the beginning, I might never have started on the journey. But I think it's more than that. I think it's, for me... If I was to start looking at the horizon, I'd end up following my own plans and the route that I think I should take. And if I do, whenever I've done that, it's always been a mistake. And it's actually sold myself, sold God, and sold the kingdom short. So one Sunday evening, I was at um, the Beach Hut event. Um, There's stuff going on at Baptist Church. But I had a, a picture while I was there worshipping, and this picture was me standing in a field nothing else in the field, uh, barbed wire fence, a huge wooden five-bar gate, and somebody holding this gate open. And I just thought, oh, that's interesting. What's this about then? That's interesting. And um, while I was, just, I was just thinking about that, I, didn't, I hadn't shared it with anybody. David Thatcher came over to pray for me. He knew a little bit what was going on at the time. And he just prayed that I would know the Lord, know his voice, recognise his voice, and know him as my good shepherd. As he said that, I thought, oh, that's who's holding the gate open. Wow. So I went back home and I read John 10, where God, Jesus talks about being the good shepherd and sheep coming in and out and all, all those things in that passage. But I didn't know what this new field was that was the other side of the gate. And I, I knew I just had to keep going with how things were to find out what that new thing was. It could have been a new thing at the Baptist church. It could have been a completely new thing. I didn't know. I just had to keep going. As it turned out, it was a completely new thing. So I came to Aaron about three or four years ago. And about two years ago, I was appointed as the Christians Against Poverty Debt Centre Manager in Littlehampton. Brilliant. Um, so for those who don't know, Christians Against Poverty is a national charity, Christian charity, that works with people to help them get out of debt. And what the, the way they work is they partner with local churches, and local churches employ people and raise their own funds to employ someone um, and a, a team of volunteers to go around and meet with clients, to go into their homes, to find out a bit more about their situation, and then to work with the national charity to help people get debt free. And Carol was appointed as our, after an interview and a whole process as our Littlehampton area debt centre manager. 
Yes. yes. Carol, tell us what that's been like. What do you do for CAP? What does that look like? Um, what do you actually do with these clients? How has it been? Uh, okay, we've got an amazing team, who are some of whom are wearing nice green T-shirts this morning. Now let's have our befrienders standing them. up, please. Befrienders, uh, stand up Judy, Stephen, Margaret, yeah, come yeah, on, Jan. Yeah. Yeah. Here we go, Here there we go. go. Put your T-shirt on, Ashley. <laughs> <laughs> we got, nice. We've got um, a, a couple of others from other churches as well, one from St. Margaret's and one from the Baptist Church too, and possibly Thanks, one guys. from Parkside, so that's really great. Uh, what's it been like? Well, I thought, actually, the easiest thing to do at this point was to read you a story from one of our clients called Rachel. Uh, you may have seen her in the Gazette a few weeks ago. There was a photo of her with Trudy. Trudy, the, the team that was standing, wearing green T-shirts, uh, one of them always comes out with me to see clients, and then a client, and then they continue on with that client, uh, keeping in touch with them, making friends with them, taking them out for coffee, inviting them to various things. So Trudy is this, this lady's, is called befriender, but I don't particularly like that word, but anyway. So I'm just going to read you Rachel's story. My story starts out not so great, as many can relate to. However, this story gets better. In April 2016, I was told on the Wednesday that I needed to move out by Saturday due to the boyfriend choice I had made. I was 21 at the time and old enough to make up my own mind on the situation. That week was a whirlwind, to say the least. I contacted a private landlord regarding a house share in Littlehampton. I went to view the room, and it was beautiful, peaceful, and that time just what I was looking for. I remember being in London with my work colleagues and getting a call from my to-be landlord. You can have the room if you can give me a month's rent up front and one month's rent as a deposit. In that whirlwind, I said yes, but how will I get the money? I already had a credit card that's nearly maxed out. Please note, don't get a credit card when you're young and naive. I couldn't ask family for help, so I turned to a loan company. Bad move. I thought I could juggle the credit card repayments and loan repayments, but which ones you prioritise when you don't have any food in the fridge? I battled through the ongoing cycle of food, rent, loan, credit card for about seven months. The hardest reality was missing a month's payment, and you can't just delay it by a month and pay it the next. They don't like that and add interest. And try not to use the awful logic I had. I'll get a little £200 loan just to get me back on my feet and everything will fall into place. It didn't. My partner moved in in November. He'd had a tough time and the only option he had was to move in with me. Upon advising my landlord that my partner was going to move in, he decided that we needed to up my rent so there'd be two people sharing the room in communal areas, another £200. I needed to find from the magical money tree, otherwise known as Mr Loan Company. We struggled on for months on one wage, no jobs were coming up for him, and this was putting a massive strain on the relationship for both of us. The money that came in from the job centre was just disappearing before our eyes, until one day Christians Against Poverty, otherwise known as CAP, was suggested to us. Carol and Trudy were sent to us by an angel. They are the most supportive and friendly people. On our first meeting, I was so apprehensive, shy, and honestly didn't want to be in this situation. Every time I was asked a question, I would tear up and want to run out of the room. But after the first two meetings, I felt comfortable and at ease in their presence. It's the most surreal feeling the pressure that you've been under suddenly disappears. 
and someone else has come along and lifted it all off of you. The phone starts to not be ringing off its hinges and no one's knocking on the door anymore. You're back in control of your life and more importantly, you're back in control of your mind. Once you're established on your cap plan, you start seeing the rewards of your decision. When you pay into your cap account, part of the money goes into a savings account. You can have access to that at any time if you need, for example, to go away and need some extra cash or you need new shoes or an eye test. This is great because the money isn't in your bank account to spend on silly things. And you can see it adding up month on month. And if you don't touch it through your cap experience, you have a lump sum at the end, a reward for something nice. As I write this today, we still have about 12 months left on our cap plan. It may seem a long time for some people, but at the end of that time, we will be debt-free and ready to take on the world as a new person. You will be money-wise if you weren't before. You'll be able to save, safe knowledge that you don't need to use it. And most importantly, you know how it felt to be debt-free, so you won't want to go back there again. If it wasn't for Carol, Trudy and the cat team, I don't know where we would be. So I just want to say the biggest thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Amazing. Yeah. And um, Rachel is just one example, um, and she's not debt-free yet, but in the 18 months we've been running, we've had four clients go debt-free. Yeah. Um, We've seen 56 clients overall. Yeah. Um, And uh, you're booked up until? Middle of May at the moment. For new clients coming to see you. Um, So we cover Littlehampton, Rustington, East Preston, Angring and Arundel. Uh, And Yapton. And Yapton. Out to Yapton and Barnum and Westergate all around that area as well. And we work closely with the Bogner Cap Centre who cover Bogner in that area Mm. and sometimes swap clients and support each other. Mm. Um, So how have you found this experience, Trudy? Have I found this experience? Okay. um, I think think it's important to realise it's not glamorous trying to help people. You know, some people think I must be great being able to go out and help people and well, it isn't glamorous. It is really tough out there and uh, we meet people in desperate situations who are actually desperate themselves. But it's another experience for me of God's faithfulness and uh, his provision really. The CAP slogan, strap line, It includes with the church, which John's explained, it includes serving the poor, which I think Rachel in her story is very well illustrated, but it also includes uh, saving the lost because uh, we always pray with our clients. We've only ever had two clients say they didn't want prayer. We always pray with our clients. we've, We've had clients say, this is the bit I look forward to the most. In fact, we had... One client we saw on Friday, we decided to pray at the beginning as well as at the end because she'd said that to us the previous time. And uh, we've had clients crying and saying, I, I just get this sense of peace. We've been able to say to them, well, you know, just sense that's God's spirit and drawing you. And we've been able to share our faith with clients. We've been able to invite them to church events and to CAP events. And you're probably going to hopefully hear a little bit more about this uh, next week yep. at the baptisms. Um, I've got a fantastic team, great team. We meet together every Monday morning to share together, 
chat about our clients. And I, I, we've got an atmosphere of honesty. I think that's really important when you're in this sort of work because you can get really frustrated and get really fed up. And in some cases, you just want to tear your hair out. And it's great to be able to talk about that together, support each other and, and pray together, pray for each other and pray for our clients. Yeah. That's so, Carol, if people um, firstly have debt issues and they need help, what can yes. they do? They can phone the free phone number, which I now got to memorise. I do know it. 0800 328 0006. That gets you through to Bradford, where the head office is, and uh, they will then book an appointment for you to see me and one of the fantastic team and we'll come and see you in your home and start getting your paperwork sorted out and getting a picture of what your financial situation is, income and expenditure, all that sort of thing. Head office then put the budget together, negotiate with creditors and come out with a cap plan for you, which we then explain to you. And then you've got your befriender, the support worker, keeps in touch with you. We're face-to-face as much as you need and um, I'm always available at the end of a phone as well. That number is on the banner at the back there. Yes. If you didn't catch that when Carol just reeled that off her memory. Um, it's also on the back of all our befrienders' T-shirts. It's on the yes. CAP website. It's also on our website as well. So um, get that number. Give them a call if you need help. And um, if people want to get involved and help with you with CAP locally. Okay, I think, um, well, you mentioned the giving from the financial point of view. That, that's Sponsor my marathon. Yeah, sponsor my marathon. Um, pray... We, we do so. I send out a, a weekly uh, prayer letter if you wanted to get involved with that. Just uh, speak to me or one of the team, and you can get involved on that. I send you out a weekly a weekly prayer letter by email. Um, but also just to support us and encourage us. Really, like I said, it, it can be really tough out there sometimes. You just feel like you're just slogging slogging through it sometimes. So just as the much encouragement, uh, you may see some people in green t-shirts this morning. You didn't realise we're part of the cap team. So just you know, go up and just in, encourage them, pray with them. Yeah, support us. Excellent. Thank you, Carol. I will just say, if you are not a Christian here today um, and uh, you haven't heard about all this stuff before, I just want to let you know there is a God. He does love you and he sent his son Jesus and the story of his death and resurrection is real. He died so that you could be friends with God and free from everything you've ever had problems with. Um, we would love to talk to you about that. You can speak to one of the, uh, the CAP team or anybody with a blue welcome t-shirt or anybody that you've come to church with today. We need to mention that and let you know. Okay, thank you, Carol. Uh, Becca, over to you.